BitSpirters, what's going on today on your beautiful Tuesday afternoon, wherever we may find you? It's been a fun weekend of Halloween get-ups and all sorts of things. So we've got some leftover outfit accessories going on for both me and Ron. He was Santa Claus, and I believe I was Bob from Bob's Burgers. And we have both got our facial hair still very, very much on our face. How are you doing today, my friend? Yeah, doing well. Um, you know, last week um, was not the best DFS week at the Bermuda. You know, we had guys like Russell Knox, Adam Long, Aaron Rye kind of fading on the weekend. Um, I had a lot of Dietrich and Ben Griffin, but just not enough of those uh, supporting players. Speaking of Griffin, you know, um, I had him pre-tournament, and then I saw he birdied. I liked him, I should say, pre-tournament, and then I saw he birdied his first two holes, and he was still 10,000 to one, and so I jumped on him live. Oh, nice. And uh, unfortunately, uh, kind of what happens to rookies in the Sunday pressure cooker, you know, he had that collapse down the stretch. Um, but yeah, like... Isn't it amazing? And I'll get your thoughts on this again, but even into the fall season, you know, the favorites, Seamus Power, you know, keep on winning. And, you know, other than Mac Hughes, who won a few weeks ago at 100 to 1, every single winner in the fall has been 30 to 1 or lower. And we're now at 19 of the last 21 PGA Tour winners have been 40 to 1 or lower. So this keeps keeps continuing on. I don't know what to do about that. It's frustrating from a DFS perspective. It's really having, because it's it's not my playing style to go to those guys, you know? So I think, especially after the CJ Cup when Rory won, it was like, okay, this was such an obvious play. You got to sometimes just go with it and try and figure out how to build rosters differently, you know, change your player pool up so that you can have those guys in the mix. Because it just seems like, it's it's too predictable almost in a weird way right now and i don't know if it's got to do with the golfers i don't know if it's got to do with the industry i don't know if it's got to do with you know the people that are doing all the research but you can be a favorite going into it but you still have to play four good rounds of golf and golf is such a crazy sport that anything can go wrong but yet these guys are still absolutely crushing it so yeah that week super weird and that makes this week really tough because you have kind of a top heavy field again and so <laughs> you know you'd like to think there's there's value in the middle and then the kind of the longer shots, but you know, do you dare not pick one of the favorites again? So it's, yeah, whether you're betting, betting is really hard right now because you know, there's not much value at the top. No. And that's exactly the thing. I mean, you got two guys that are going to be 10 to one odds. If you're going to, you know, I bet so that I can return 10 to one. So if I'm betting a, a 10 to one Victor Hovland, that is it for me. There's no more players I can put in my player, my, my betting card. So it's really tough to go that way, especially when there's other guys like Colin and things like that in the field that could change it up for him. And I guess we are at the Maya, the Worldwide Technology Maya Coba Championship this week, which is out in Mexico at the beautiful Al Camelion golf course. And it's a beautiful golf course, it's a resort style type venue. And we've seen scores in the last six years reach minus 20, at least. So that's what's going on from my side, from a little mini course preview before I hand it over to my man, Ron, to give us the down and dirty at this week's course. Yeah, you know why it's called El Chameleon, right? Because people have to change the way they play in order to play well there. That's a good guess. So yeah, so somewhat related. So actually related to the environment. So golfers are traversing through three different kind of changing landscapes. So you have the jungle, you have what's called the mangrove wetlands, and then you have the scenic oceanfront. 
Um, so kind of like a chameleon, which is what El Chameleon um, stands for. You know, it's chameleons are always changing their colors. So kind of always the golfers are changing um, kind of from one landscape to the other. So, yeah, another interesting to note uh, here is that many of the holes are further inland, even though this is a coastal course. And so they are protected by trees. And so wind does not have that much of an effect here, especially compared to the Bermuda course last week. And so, yeah, like you said, it's a fairly easy course. Um, we go from the shortest course on tour in Bermuda to the ninth shortest course uh, this week. Uh, so it does have some similarities to Port Royal from last week. Specifically, um, we have narrow fairways again where driving accuracy is really at a premium. And this may be the biggest driving accuracy course on tour. Um, a huge difference here compared to last week, um, that there is danger off the fairway everywhere. Um, whether it's the jungle, the mangroves, even they have these kind of like a canal system. Um, seven holes have water danger. Uh, the rough is not that penal. Um, so you do have some room to miss, but if you are kind of one of those wilder players off the tee, uh, you'll be in trouble here very quickly. Um, one thing I kind of looked at, the PJ has a stat called distance from the edge of the fairway, which kind of gives an idea of which players are the wildest off the tee. Uh, okay. Do you have any idea? Byron, who the second best player on the entire tour was last year, and that's that who is in this field. I want to say it's Emiliano Grillo, but that's just me just being a homer. Let me take it's probably it's a Matt. He's Kuchar. won here. He's won here before. So it's not Kucher. That's a good guess. Brandon Todd. Brandon Todd. There you go. There we and go. Uh, the worst player, just I was looking up the worst. Uh, Gary Kigo was the worst player, the yeah. wildest player off the tee, who's also in this field, who did pretty well last week, had a really good Sunday round. So just kind of interesting to look at, at that stat. But, uh, yeah, many players, because of that danger, they choose to club down off the tee and lay up uh, numerous holes thanks to all these trouble areas. You have some dog legs mixed in as well. Again, we don't have any strokes gained data this week, so we don't kind of really know the exact ranges um, for most approach shots, uh, but there'll be a variety of wedges, mid irons. Typically players are hitting from the same area. Yeah. Um, very soft, receptive greens that are kind of the largest, among the largest on tour, 7,000 square feet. And by the way, checking the weather uh, between tonight and Wednesday, um, the area is supposed to get over an inch of rain. So it's going to be really soft out there. Um, also the short game is much simpler this week. You have wall to wall, Pespel and grass. It's much easier to chip from compared to kind of the tight lies on Bermuda or the thick bluegrass rough. Even putting is easier than average. Uh, so you have kind of these very slow greens that are very flat. There's not a lot of undulation to them. So kind of tends to neutralize uh, both the good and the bad putters alike. Uh, and that's probably why Victor Hovland, um, he kind of should be called the prince. People are calling him the king. I call him the prince of Pespelum. Um, and so all three of his tour wins have come on this surface. And speaking to that, I will close with a quote from Victor himself, who said about this course, he said, my success here has a lot to do with the past Palum greens. I've seen to put well at it's a bit slower than what we see every other week on tour. And I think that has helped me just with where I have grown up in Norway. We have flatter and slower greens there and that sets up better for me here. So again, we'll get to Victor coming up here. Yes. And Victor being a in pursuit of the three-peat, which is something unrivaled on the PGA Tour. So it's going to be an interesting week for him, and and let's get right into it. But before we do that real quick, don't forget betspurs.com. Go get your um, monthly subscription there for a dollar a pop. you got all the tools out there, all the search engines, all the all of Ron's PGA splits type 
information back behind the, the paywall there for a dollar a month for the rest of the year. You've got two more months to do that. And go check it out. Get involved there, and, and hopefully that can help you really, you know, end your season out with a, a hot streak like my boy Ron has been up to lately. So go check it out, and we will then move into the top of the board here for the DFS slate, which is quite a few guys inside the top 10, the 10K range here. We've got Scotty Scheffler at 10, 11, 4, excuse me. Victor Hovland at 11-2, and then Colin, Tony, Aaron Wise, and Billy Horschel floating in the middle of that 10K range there. So we've got six guys that are really, really, you know, the top heaviness of this field is exaggerated there, and you can see why. You know, all of these guys are, for me, ranked 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 in the model, apart from Tom Hoagie a little further down. So I'm checking out with the, the DFS people that set these lineups, and it makes sense to me. Ron, I must ask you a question. Who are you liking in this range here, my friend? Yeah, so another reason this week is, is tough for me is, is all of these players, at least most of them, have really good course history. And I think this is one of those courses where it is kind of a horses for courses because you see players who are either doing very well here consistently or you have other players who – good players who just seem to struggle here. So, mm-hmm. But a lot of these players, you know, Scheffler, Horschel, Wise, Fino, they, they've all played really well here. So – for me, um, just going to the very top here, you know, Scotty Scheffler has now lost with his putter nine of his last 12 events. Um, I had him, him in 70% of my lineups at the CJ Cup. So I am well aware of his putting tribulations. Yeah, and then he got that new putter, um, and he still lost 4.3 strokes. And, again, he may turn it around here, um, but as the most expensive golfer, uh, to me, he's not worth the risk just, just for that reason alone. If he was priced lower – you know, maybe you take that chance and maybe obviously you probably would have some ownership leverage, but I just can't do it with him being the most expensive guy. Um, so obviously Victor clearly loves it here. You know, there's something about these tropical courses. Even he won the Hero Open in the Bahamas, which is not a, a regular PJ event, but, um, you know, he hasn't played a whole lot recently. He did finish um, in the top five in Japan at the Zozo. And so obviously you can't go wrong playing him. I think Colin, more Colin was very interesting. Um, you know, he's had five top fives this calendar year, but I think overall we probably agree it's been a disappointing year for him. Um, but his elite iron play definitely fits this course. Uh, I think you you have to ask, why is he here? You know, he's never played here before. Um, I think he just doesn't want to end his year on a disappointing note. So I think we'd also agree another peak is coming. Um, maybe it starts this week. So I think he's a good play, someone that I'm going to be playing um, at 10-6. Fino, you know, other than the President's Cup, he hasn't played since August. Yeah. Um, and so looking a little deeper into that, the last three events that he's had where he's coming off six-plus weeks of not playing, he's finished negative strokes gain each of those last three events. So, mm. again, you I can't like play everybody. That. Can't play everybody here. And so um, he's uh, – I'm crossing Tony off my list this week. And, again, just with it being a shorter course, you know, he's more of a bomber type. Um, and then – Aaron Wise, you know, I'm a big believer in him long-term. You know, I think the broomstick putter has made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. But, again, three top 15s in his last four. He's got, you know, second and a 15th here. So um, my three guys are going to be Hovland, Morco, and Wise up here at the top. Interesting. Cool. So we'll have a tiny bit of overlap because I have to get back to Scotty. And and I don't think I'm going to play Scotty that much i'm not gonna go 70 percent. like I, I said i was just gonna sprinkle him in a few lineups last time 
no, I went balls to the wall and threw him in everywhere. This week, I think he's going to be super, I mean, 11-4 for a guy that's been just catastrophic with the putter lately. I don't see a lot of people, especially with Victor sitting right underneath him there. He's probably going to walk in at like five, five, seven percent. I have no, I haven't seen any ownership projections lately, but you can only imagine no one's going to go there with Victor's course record and everything here. So if you want to start off your lineup with those two guys, I have a lot of 6K dudes that I'm eyeing out this week. I'm going to rotate those bad boys in a lot this week. And there's some guys that you, you've got me on this thing, Ron, about course history guys down in that 6K range that, man, there's been lots of guys that have made like five straight cuts at this venue that are in the 6K range. So we'll get to those guys shortly. But Scotty Scheffler's ball striking has just been sensational. So all it takes is for his putter to come right. And you've said these are past bottom greens. He hasn't played on these greens hardly, you know, ever. So that could completely change up the whole dynamic, the feel that he has on the greens. That could change it for the good. It really isn't going to get much worse than what he's doing right now. And the ball striking is going to be there nonstop. So, I mean, this guy's off the tee game has been sensational to, you know, the whole year. It's just been fire. And then we get Victor. He's, what are we going to do with him? He's going to be very, 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 very high owned this week. So you're going to have to, if you've got Victor in your lineups, you've got to get freaky. Kind of like the the mustache I've got going on. I think that's kind of the inspiration for this week is look a little weird. Make sure it goes right. So an 8.3. Hmm. I do feel like it's a little off, off tilted there, Scott, but we'll we'll get it to a nine next time. But yeah, I'm a big fan of Victor Colin. I've decided I'm never going to play him unless it's a major. The, the short game disability he has just seems to irritate the most at non-major events. So I'm out on him. Same with Tony. We've got to pick our guys. He's played well yeah before, but I, that that layoff run is just, it seems so long, you know, it's, to come to a different course like this and play your best golf, it just doesn't seem like he's going to be doing that. I do love myself some Aaron Wise and Billy Horschel. I've got an outright on Billy Horschel. Billy Horschel, this season, since 2023 has started, he's got like eight rounds of recorded strokes gained approach and he's leading the field. And it's been scintillating. He gained like six and a half strokes at the CJ Cup on approach. Didn't have a single round that was less than one stroke gained on approach. We know how good his short game is. We know how accurate he is off the tee. So he's got good form coming into the week. He's going to a course that he's played well at before. He seems like my favorite player in this in this 10K range and he's the cheapest of the bunch. So... We'll see because there's guys that I like. There's enough that you can just play the ownership game, but I'm definitely out on Colin. So yeah, just going to be juggling these guys and figuring out who's going to be the leverage play from ownership standpoint and go with them because I do like Tony, Aaron, and Billy very much. So so we're in agreement there for for a first little bit, apart from Scotty, as always. Cool nine K range. We've got Taylor Montgomery and Tom Hoagie, two very popular players that are just going to be very very high owned this week at the top of the nine K range here. And then it's rounded out by Mav McNeely, Seamus Power, Jason Day, Emiliano, Grillo, and Brendan Tan at the bottom. I'll start off real quick, Ron. Taylor Montgomery and Tom Hoagie are going to be in my player pool as well. You know, I think if you can if you can sneak in like a, a sprinkle of a you go Victor and, and Tom Hoagie and Taylor Montgomery, and then you get like some really low-owned guys down at the bottom, I think that could work out too because you can get three, three really popular players in there that, um, you can really finagle away to get different down south. And Tom Hoagie's ball striking has been scintillating. His putter has been really good. And Taylor Montgomery is one of the best putters in the world. So we're going to go to a course that's a very basic putting surface. 
I think this guy's going to be rolling in putts left, right, and center. So those two are absolute smash plays at the top of the 9K range for me. What are you eyeing out for this top of the range here, Ron? Yeah, so there's there's a lot of good depth here in this 9K range. Now, I don't think this is a week you should start your lineups with one of these guys. I just don't think there's maybe enough win equity here. But, um, you know, one of the narratives I'm, I'm focusing on this week and it, is guys who are really bad around the green. Um, like I said, with, with Victor having won here twice, um, you know, kind of focusing on those guys. And so if you're good ball striking, if you're accurate off the tee, um, those are guys that I'm, you know, I'm really targeting this week. And so when I look at those around the green numbers and, you know, I see a Tom Hoagie who is 111th in this field around the green. But again, like you said, you know, he's really on fire with his irons. Um, you know, he's got four straight top 13s to start the year. Yeah. Um, he's the third best player in this field on approach. Um, and so, you know, he's the guy who, um, instead of Horschel, you know, I think for me to drop down 500 and make him my next play, um, I really like that. Um, yeah, Montgomery is interesting, but when you look, he's, you know, 112th in approach, um, in this field recently, even Matt McNeely, as good as McNeely is off the tee, he's 117th in approach, uh, in his last 36 rounds. So I'm kind of dropping down here, um, to the kind of the bottom 9k area. So I think okay. Jason Day, I thought he would be priced lower. You know, I think he's a little bit high. Spendy. Yeah. yeah but I think that's going to keep his ownership down even lower than it would have been. Uh, but when you look recently, I, you know, we talked about this last time um, when he played, you know, I really think he's turned a corner. You know, he's last two events, he's gained an average of seven strokes to green. Um, he's gained six straight in approach, which is kind of what was really dragging him down. Um, and, and one thing to note is his last event, the CJ Cup, he had his first event where he finished every single round in the 60s in two years. And so that's a, what we've kind of been missing from him is, is that level of consistency. And so... I think, you know, at that price, if you can get him, I don't know what his ownership is coming in at the moment, but, you know, he's a great play. Yeah, Grio, you know, and you know this better than anyone, but he's played his best golf on these shorter resort-type courses, especially on past Palum greens. And, you know, we don't have the strokes gained putting uh, numbers, but, you know, we, we know his putting is much improved overall. And so three top 15s, um, his last five events here at this course. And, and if you want current for him, of course, he's he's got four top tens in his last ten events, and so he's kind of fives, top fives. Okay, there you go. So he's yeah. yeah, he's for me. This is like, and I know he's been a good play before, but for me, this is like the best play that I've seen. It's a him great as. venue for him. I absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah, and and then and then I'll finish with Brendan Todd really yeah. quick. You know, he's one of the most accurate drivers, one of the best putters. But when he flashes positive approach play. Um, I think it's full steam ahead. And so, you know, he gained seven strokes on approach at the CJ Cup. He gained five and a half at the Fortnite. He's already won here. Um, so I really like Todd this week. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you on that. And it's just, it's there's so many good guys to pick from, you know. And I think that Jason Day price tag is kind of interesting because we've we've discussed before, like, We'll play a Jason Day at seventy two hundred bucks, but a ninety like he's. I was shocked when I saw, you know, he's the first guy that you know when you're going down the model rankings. I have yeah, it's like five, twelve, blah blah blah, twenty, forty two for J Day. You know, he just hasn't caught up to what his recent form is looking like right now. And I think at that price tag, you can get a little freaky because we want to click on a Jason Day that's and he's also the injury thing, right? That's always in the back of people's minds. But now that you said. 
four straight rounds in the 60s. I mean, that's there's signs. The stars are aligning here, right? And but you said that guys that play badly here play badly here. I don't know how many I've just got his ranking. I don't know how many rounds it's been at this course, but he looks like he's got some really bad course history at this venue. I, if you don't mind looking that up while I go into yeah, some of these yeah. other guys here quickly about Grillo. Off the tee is just so, so, so solid. Just super accurate, super long. And, you know, his irons are great from the... I re-engineered the course and just averaged a 300-yard drive. And it seems like about half the shots will come from about 125 to 200-ish, which I think is makes a lot of sense around this course. So he's really good from that range. And the, the chipping and stuff, like you've mentioned, if they're going to be hitting these big greens all the time, the chipping is out of the way for the most part. You know, he's got less opportunity to mess up. So that's what's going on with Grillo. I've got him and Brendan Todd both highlighted. I think they're going to be quite popular plays. So if you throw them in with a, maybe a Jason Day, I think that helps you get a little difference. So did you check what Jason Day's situation was, Ron? Yeah, so in 2019, he missed the cut. He lost six and a half strokes. But then before then, he hadn't played this course since 2009, where he finished 28th. So he's only played six rounds. So not not much sample size there. Okay. So yeah, I'll just I'll we just ignore that then. Cool. So who would you say is your favorite play in this 9K range? Pick one guy. Uh, if I had to pick one guy, um, I gotta go Grillo, man. Gotta go Grillo. Yeah. Cool. I got a Grillo outright ticket, 40 to one. Let's cook and let's rock and roll. I love. It's time, right? I mean, he's been knocking on the door. Love this golf course. Love where he's going. So, 8K range. We've got Brian Harmon, Thomas Dietrich, KH Lee starting off the top of the range, and then it ends out there with some Matt Cooch and Andrew Putnam. Some interesting names in this range run. I'm going to miss the entire range. I don't have any interest in any of these guys apart from Matt Kuchar. So, feel free to sell me on, on anybody else and Matt Kuchar too, but I'm... I'm out. I don't know. I, I think if I'm going to go top heavy at the top, yeah, this 8K range just doesn't fit how I'm going to build my lineups. I'm out on these guys. Will you like him? Yeah, very similar to you. You know, I think when you're going to play as many as we are up top, um, you're, you're going to have to skip some guys here. And so there's two guys in particular, and, and one, um, Thomas Dietrich um, at 8,800. I think he's one of the best kind of upper tier values. Yeah. You know, he finished second last week in Bermuda and his price drops $1,700. Now, yeah. of course the field is stronger, so you would expect that, but he's competed in these strong events and strong fields before. Um, you know, he's got tons of experience on the DP world tour playing, you know, in Scottish opens, open championships, and he just seems to thrive on these coastal courses. And so, you know, I think as well as he's playing um, at that price tag um, for me, he's going to be one of my, my cores. Um, I think just below him, KH Lee at 8,700, you know, he's real accurate off the tee, which is definitely something needed here. Um, third at the CJ Cup. And he's just a guy who's, just, you know, he's just gaining strokes consistently across the board. Uh, you know, when you when you look at these events and, you know, you don't think he's going to play well, and then you look, you know, after Sunday and he's, you know, top 20 again. And so he just, he just manages to continue to surprise with his consistency. And so I think at 8,700, you know, he's a really good player there. And then for me, yeah, like there's a bunch of guys here who are some, you know, some bigger names. You know, you have, you know, Alex Noren, Russell Henley, Keith Mitchell. But I just don't think when you look at course history, which both Henley and Mitchell have been pretty bad here, um, combined with the course fit, you know, I just don't think there's many fits down here. I think Putnam is interesting at 8,100. But like you said, 
as much as I don't like to play Matt Kuchar, you know, I think this is one of the few places he can still compete. Um, yes. He's got a 22nd, a 14th, and, of course, he won here, I believe, back in 2017. And then his form has been pretty good to start the season. You know, he's been 12th, 29th. Um, so he has a really high floor. So, you know, if you're looking for, you know, you, you're trying to get some cut makers into your lineup, you know, he's a pretty safe bet to make the cut. You know, I wish he was cheaper. I think, you know, when you look at 8K and some of the guys below him, I think he probably should be cheaper. Um, but he definitely fits this course. Yeah. And I totally second the Matt Kuchar thing there. And Andrew Putnam's been playing some seriously good golf lately. And he just seems to find himself the top of the leaderboard. And he's not very long off the tee. This course, I mean, talk about a course fit with some good recent form coming into it all. So I do like some Andrew Putnam towards the bottom of the range. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. There's not too many guys I'm like in love with. There's a lot of other guys, some cheap discount knockoffs that I'm kind of got on the side for me at the moment. So we're going to go to those guys when we get a gap. If you had any other guys that you wanted to mention, which I think you've covered all. Perfect. So 7K range starts off with Sebastian Munoz, Patrick Rogers, Nick Hardy. We're going to get into him. And it kind of ends with the middle of the range. Yeah, we got some Robbie Shelton, Justin Lower, Lee Hodges, and Hayden Buckley. To me, these guys all just offer a lot more at a $1,000 cheaper than the majority of that AK range. So for me, like a Nick Hardy, he's the fifth best iron player in the field. And we've got Colin Morikawa, uh, Scotty Scheffler, Victor Hovland, all ahead of him. So he's been playing fantastic golf. He's still, we never got any strokes gained approach data from the Bermuda, but he hit 75% of his greens, which to me, that's enough to tell me that things were going right. He played really nicely on Sunday. The wind out there is chaos, so you never know what's going on. But he has not gained less than half a stroke on approach in the last 12 rounds that have been recorded. That is so very good. You know, it's it's elite ball striking with the irons there. And, and I feel at a course like this where his good drives gained is very good. So when he's missing the fairway, he's missing it. But... It's not, I don't think it's not in the jungle, right? He's not having to chameleon himself out of there. I think he's going to be fine. So we cool there with Nick Hardy. I love his off the tee stuff. It's okay. But the iron play is just too good to pass up. I grabbed him 80 to 1 in the outright market. I think if the putter hooks up with irons like that, I mean, whoo, boy, we could see this guy tear this course up. So love Nick Hardy at 7,800 bucks. And then I've got these four guys, Robbie Shelton, Justin Lowe, Lee Hodges, and Hayden Buckley all you know kind of very reasonably priced they all got very decent course history coming into the uh recent form history coming in here and robbie shelton one of those guys he gets to the top of the leaderboard then he becomes allergic to it he's got those one random round he just blows up he was looking so good after two rounds and then all of a sudden just ate it so gonna go back to him again especially at that price he shows you he's got the upside if you can just avoid that one bad round go back to him especially in some showdown very volatile player. Justin Lower, 90 to 1. Bet Rivers, enhanced odds. Let's go, Justin Lower. I mean, this guy's been playing very good golf, and he's also not the longest off the tee. This golf course going to nullify that a little bit. And he's one of the best guys from that 125 to 200 uh, yard range in the proximity buckets there. I think he's like top five in the field. So, baseline wise. So, that's what's beautiful to look at. So, I love us, Justin Lower. Yeah, $7,600. Lee Hodges, the last time we spoke about him, he finished T7 at the CJ Cup. 
Lee Hodges. So, I mean, talk about some awesome form coming into this event. He's had a week off. I don't think he played at the Bermuda. So this guy's game also just, it's just peaking. And then one more person I want to mention is Hayden Buckley. My God, has he been playing some really stellar golf. T19, T20, T5 in his last three. And he's just been pounding fairways and greens. So if we can get to a course that the, the greens aren't going to be as difficult, like you've mentioned, his putter, which is a massive debilitating piece of equipment in his bag, hopefully just is normal. And at 7500 bucks, I mean, this guy's going to ball strike this golf course to death. So those are my guys that I really like in that range. Who else have you got in this in this range that you're liking on? Do you like any of those guys or am I way off on off base there? No, we are definitely on the same page this week. Um, this is kind of where I'd start to load up on guys. Uh, I think even if you go to the top here, Sebastian Munoz at 7,900, you know, again, if one of my narratives, like I said, is focusing on guys who struggle around the green, uh, but who are solid, you know, ball striking, obviously can hit fairways. You know, he's 78th around the green, 10th best in approach. And again, I like kind of when, he, when we get to this fall swing season, I, I kind of like to look at, 36 to 50 rounds instead of, you know, just take a lot, kind of a longer term approach when I look at the data here. And so, you know, he's kind of really sharp in those areas I'm looking at. Um, like you said, Nick Hardy, 122nd around the green. Uh, and again, he struggles with the putter as well, but his ball striking has been so good that you just almost have to play him at a course like this. Um, Justin Lauer is another one who, you know, when you look at consistency here, he's gained at least one stroke each round in every area, kind of going back for a ways here. And so, you know, you kind of got another accurate player off the tee. Pretty big price drop from last week. I think last week he was like 9,300 or something. And so he's yeah. dropped big time this week. Um, and and he's T8. T8, yep. And he was he was there all week, um, or all around, I should say. And uh, kind of someone I'm coming back to, um, and accuracy is the name of his game, and that's Aaron Rye at 7,600. Um, you know, just another consistent guy. You know, he he kind of has, has faded down the stretch here recently um, in some of these events. But, you know, he's making cuts four in a row. You know, he was 15th here last year. I really like JT Poston. I mean, um, people I think are forgetting about him. You know, he was just one of the hottest players on the tour, and he's, he's had his struggles recently. But, again, when you take that kind of broader approach, you know, at 7,500, he's got win equity. Um, it's a kind of a shorter course, which kind of fits him better. Um, I think – you know, he's, he's going to be maybe even one of my core plays at 7,500. Oh, wow. um, and, yeah, like you said, Hayden Buckley is another guy who fits that, you know, struggling short game. But, uh, again, I don't think that's going to be as important here with a, with a pass balloon. You know, it's, it's not that tough to chip and to play around the greens here. You, you got a lot of, you know, really no bad lies at this course. That's another thing I read, you know, kind of coming up in the research as, you know, players talk about there's, there's really not a bad lie to be found. And so chipping is just so much easier here. And so um, I think – Focusing on these guys, you know, is, is a very smart narrative to go after. Perfect. Yeah, no, and just to get back to JT Poston, I have him as an absolute fade this week. So it only took us half an hour to have a, a major disagreement with you, him being one of your core plays. So we'll see how that goes. I just don't like his approach play right now. It's just not doing it for me. I'm a big approach guy. It's just it hasn't been hasn't been good enough for me to to want to put him in um, in any of my lineups. But you never know if you're looking at a big picture. He could bounce back, but this year it's been he's he's lost on approach pretty much this year so far. So I don't know. Maybe I change your mind a little bit. Maybe I don't. We'll see. But my boy, my boy Ron, didn't you take you took down a, a fan duel contest too? So that's a little quick little fun tip that if you 
if you are interested in trying to get a little edge on the field without even doing anything with your player pool, you can just go to a different platform to play on and you'll finish second to run, but you're still going to have some success out there in FanDuel. It was, it was a good week. Um, I basically, I went a hundred percent. I I think that was two weeks ago, right? What, what, what event was two weeks ago? I can't even remember. Um, but yeah, I went hundred percent Kurt Kitayama. I just, you know, the pricing is different on FanDuel. It's much different. So, you know, if you're serious about playing, you know, you can try to find some of those edges in pricing. And so he was like one of the lowest priced players in the field that week. And so, you know, yeah, I'd encourage you if you're, you know, if you're serious about, you know, trying to, to make profit here, just check out even FanDuel, you know, some of those prices you can take advantage of. Awesome. Yes. So I've got a few more guys that I just want to rattle off. I've got JJ Spawn, Aaron Badley, and Grayson Sig, all $7,300. I'm not going to go into too much detail about either of them. I just like what they both, all three of them are doing coming into the week. Um, I think their games suit this golf course quite nicely. Aaron Badley's been really good. He's got a very small sample size, but man, it looks like he's figured it out. The short game, the putting, it's all there for him. And at a venue like this, I think he can really take advantage of that. Um, any guys that you want to mention out in the bottom of the 7K range here, Ron? I'm, I'm not too excited about anyone really until we get to like Nick Taylor at 7 flat. So if you want to fill in the gaps there, feel free. Yeah, let me interest you with three guys who I really, really love. So starting with Adam Long, okay? So... He's kind of been underachieving a little bit lately, uh, but he's just a great value price this week at 7400 You know, like we said earlier, this is kind of a horses for courses type place. The same guys, you know, kind of tend to continue to do well here. And he has the best strokes gained average out of any player who's ever played here, um, over 2.3 strokes gained per round. He's got finishes here of second, third, and 22nd. Um, you know, and again, he's just a shorter hitter who fits this place really well. And so, you know, he's coming in with decent form um, and didn't play as well as he could have last week. Uh, but at 7,400, I think he's he's a guy you can really play a lot of and have success there. Um, JJ Spawn is one of the most accurate drivers on tour. Um, he's 7,300. He's made six cuts in a row with three top 25s. And again, once we start, like you said, getting into these lower ranges, kind of looking at that course history maybe a little bit more. You know, he's, he's six of six here. You know, the last six times he's played here uh, with four top 28. And so, you know, you're looking for guys who have kind of a higher floor. Um, and, and he's shown that he can pop um, recently, you know. Uh, so I think he's a good play. And then finally, Joel Damon. You know, he's been really struggling with the flat stick. Um, but one thing about him is, is just looking at his data, he tends to thrive on slower greens. You know, if you look kind of where he grew up in the Pacific Northwest, you know, the greens are much slower up there. Um, he won at Corrales, very similar course on Passbellum. And he's got 20 career rounds here at this course. He's never had a single round over par on this course. And so when you look at his last three events, he's trending up. You know, he led the field um, in Tita Green at Sanderson Farms. He finished 16th at the Zozo, one of the most accurate players off the tee. So I think you could do a lot worse than Joel Damon um, at 7,200. So these, those are my three guys, uh, Long, Spawn, and, and Damon. Long, Spawn, and Dame. Um a little quick tidbit on Joel Damon. I checked out his stats, and he's averaging 2.14 strokes gained in round one in five first rounds at Mayakoba. So if you're looking to throw a little first-round sprinkle out or a showdown guy that you're going to pivot around, I think Joel Damon, has he really likes himself a good Thursday in Mexico. So I don't know what's that got to do with everything else about his game, but that's something I noticed that he's – really good on those on those Thursday rounds there. So another guy I want to quickly mention before we get into the 6K range here 
is Nick Taylor. He's T6, T19, miscut, and T23 in his, in his four starts that he's had this year. That's for a guy that's $7,000. I mean, I feel like that's great value. And he's played 14 rounds. In 12 of them, he's gained almost two strokes per round. And then in two of them, he's lost three and a half strokes in each round. So he's had just two really, really bad rounds that have kept him out of like contending like he should be. He's 7K. This guy's just fantastic coming into this week. I don't know about the, you know, the recent, the course history at this venue, but I don't care. I think he's playing too good a golf to to worry about that right now, especially at $7,000. So I'm loving myself some Nick Taylor. I think I'm going to have a lot of him in this lineup. I think he was also in the wrong wave split last week, which I had a lot of him in too. So just stringing together some really good, so, solid performances. And for someone that's $7,000 in this field, I'm going to have so much Nick Taylor. It's not even going to be funny. So that's what's cooking in the 7K range for me. I'll, I'll sprinkle in a little bit of Danny Willett at 7K flat as well. I think he's he's got some upside there, and but not too much in the lineup. So I'm going to kind of just have him in a little bit. 6K range, the dumpster, the banana peel city, diaper, diaper valley, you know, the whole shebang. What are we liking in this range run? I've got some gems. I've got some guys all the way down here at $6,200, $6,300. So give me some of your players. I know you're not a big fan of this range, so I'll let you – it up first and then i'll i'll clean up what what you haven't touched and just really quick you took me down a rabbit hole there with the first round in mexico or alcame leon at this course and so don't know if you noticed this but if, if players who have played at least three rounds for the uh, at this tournament so adam long is averaging 3.7 strokes in the first round of mexico and three career first rounds uh Patton kazire has played here six times he's averaging 3.2 strokes also in the first round. So just a couple of other guys, if you're playing a uh, first round leader, Pat Desire, and I'll just get to him now. I think he's 6,300. You know, he's one here. He's kind of the ultimate boomer bust player. And lately it's been all bust. Like he's been absolutely horrendous. Uh, but again, you just never know, you know, crazy things happen in the fall swing season. Um, and so at 6,300, a guy who can get really hot, uh, very streaky player. Um, so I like him, but yeah, going back up the top a little bit more, I think, Brandon Wu is another guy who, you know, he's another pest balance player who has had great success on the surface. When you look at his actual finishes on this grass, okay, he's finished 28th at Corrales. He has two top sevens in Puerto Rico. He finished second at the Mexico Open, okay, all on pest balance. And so combine that with his good form, you know, he's gaining strokes in each of his last four events. Um, I think Brandon Wu is a really good play at 69. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, um, at 6,900, um, Mr. Yu, how do you not go back to him this week? Yes. Like, he finished third last week. I think he's even a better course fit for for this course. You know, he's yeah. so accurate off the tee. And last week, you know, not really a birdie fest at all last week, but he showed that he can score when he needed to. Mm. And so I think that there's a lot of upside there with him at 6,900. Um, and so those those are two guys that I really like at the top in here. Yeah, I've got Kevin Yu's, um you know, lined up too, but I've got him in orange because that's what tells me watch out for the chalk because I think, I mean, uh, I feel like we were good to go on him last week. Now, after that T3, I think, you know, there might be a bit more bit more traffic on Kevin New's name there. So I still love him though. You know, I think, you know, if you go big, go heavy at the top with two very big guys, you can throw Kevin New in there and you, you're already different quite quickly. So 
Another guy I want to mention is Party Marty Zechando. He is he's one of those Corn Ferry Tour guys that's come on here and just had crazy good rounds and then some real big blow-ups. Like there's once a tournament, he just loses three strokes. So not good there. And but that makes him a perfect showdown candidate. I think we're going to start in. I've got a few guys in this range that are perfect showdown guys. And Brandon Wu is one of them. I think he's super volatile. So I like I like that from him there on. And then another guy I'm kind of curious about is James Hahn, who's he's gained strokes on approach in the last 10 times he's teed it up. But he's also in those 10 rounds, lost 16 strokes short game. So if we're taking this this theory that we have that a bad short game can kind of get nullified a little bit here, I love James Hahn's game. I think you know he lacks that distance off the tee, so um, maybe he can you know use that good drive metric to his advantage and kind of nullify, just at least suck a little bit, not a lot on the greens. So James Hahn's someone I like, and then I'm going to just jump all the way down here to 6700 for John Ha, who at this course has finished T15, T20, miscut, and T25. So that's what's going on with John Hahn. Remember I had that meltdown about him when he when he gained 7.47 strokes at the Zozo and still finished 54th in a 78-man field. So he's got that upside for sure. He's He loves this golf course. I mean, this talk about a course fit for a guy that's in the 6K range. Love some John Hahn. And then we get to Danny Lee, who is probably even a better version of John Hart with course history. We got T7, T26, second, T25, a WD, which he made the cut in, and then a T3. For Danny Lee, I mean, this course history thoroughbred right here, for sure. And then a Ryan Armour guy, I'm $6,500. He's, he's gone three missed cuts in a T13 in this season so far. But at this venue, he's missed the cut barely. T33, T21, and T20. T55. So I just like him at a shorter golf course like this. Um, he showed that T13, he can really pop when he does at a venue like this. I'm all for it. And then I got two more. Austin Cook. He's $6,300. And he finished T T44 last week. He's one of those guys that he's lost stroke, he's gained strokes in the six starts that he made before last week. Missed all three cuts. So he's he was just being on the precipice of making cuts, barely barely missing them. So I love his game. Yeah, sixty three hundred dollars. He's also one of those guys that he's got like a little bit of lack of distance off the tee, but accuracy out of his butt. It's there for you if you need it. And I think this course suits him quite nicely. He made his first cut of the season, t forty four last week, and then sixty two hundred dollars. We got Philip Knowles, just a little plotter at sixty two hundred bucks. Based off his Corn Ferry Tour stats, this guy's super, super accurate off the tee. And I think he also made the made the cut last week at the Bermuda. So those are some guys that I've got my eye on. And I'd be remiss to say I'm not going to have Augusto Nunez in at least one lineup. I, I, I can't handle him anymore, but I'm going back to him at 6200 bucks at a ball striker's paradise. Hopefully, you know, leaving the country, he goes back. He's from, I think, South America somewhere. So... Why not play him in, in a place that I'm sure he's super comfortable playing? So Augusto Nunez is another guy, $6,200. One of He led the Corn Ferry Tour in greens in regulation. If that doesn't help you on this golf course, I'm not sure what does. So yeah, that's, that's what we got for today. Where are we slicing and dicing this beautiful slate, Ron? It's super top heavy, so feel free to close your eyes and swing away. Uh, just really quick.
if you um, just kind of going with the Danny Lee, you know, if you play him and Pat Desire, I mean, you're talking about ultimate boomer bust there. But it, but but really, those two players have combined to make nine cuts in a row here. Okay, so you're talking Danny Lee at 66, Kazire at 63. You can you can fit four upper tier guys if you play both yeah. of those with them. So just some interesting looks. Even a Tyler Duncan, I forgot to mention him at 6,500. He's made five cuts in a row here. Um, you, you know, so there's some value down there if you if you take the time to kind of research those numbers. Um, all right, so um, let's see here. I also second Tyler Duncan, by the way, especially as a showdown play. He's just got upside for days, and then he just has that one blow-up round when he gets into contention. So definitely play him early on in the week for sure. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we could uh, we could cut it at 7,500. That's a good good range. 7,500. All right. So who's $7,600 or more that you will be playing this week as your favorite play, Ron? So I already talked about Grio, and I definitely will be playing him a lot, but uh, I'm also going to drop down here a little bit to uh, Thomas Dietrich um, at 8,800. So I just think, you know, he's a world-class player. He's on the rise. He's trending upwards. He loves coastal courses. Um, so Thomas Dietrich at 8,800 would be my my top guy up here. Okay, okay. I'm going I'm to raise you another 1,200 bucks and say Billy Horschel is going to be a guy that I have in at least 50% of my lineups this week. I think I'm going to go big on Billy. Just like we've said, I mean, you can't come – coming to a venue that he loves – hitting the irons as well as he does. He doesn't hit his irons well for long. So you got to catch that lightning in a bottle and Billy Ho, it's it's time to go. So love him up here. And $7,500 or less, Ron. What? Who's the dumpster darling this week? So I'm going Joel Damon, um, $7,200. Uh, I just think when you look at his game, his last three events, you know he's gained over six strokes ball striking each one. Um, the putter has let him down. And like, like I said earlier, you know, he thrives on slower greens. And so I think it's just going to be really good here for him to just kind of, uh, you know, at 7,200, that's way too cheap. And so, um, you know, he, he also might have the best caddy in the world with uh, Gino Bonnelly. Um, and so those two make a great pairing. Um, and so I really like Joel Damon here at a great price. Perfect. Yeah. We know Joel's not going to be stiffing his caddy like good old Cooch. So that's we got that going for him as well too i'm gonna go with nick taylor at seven thousand dollars i just i'm obsessed with him right now i just i love you know i'm trying to harness these guys that have come out of the break and are playing really good golf that's almost like outside of their baseline curve but could be their new baseline because you don't know they've probably put in a bunch of work over the break nick taylor's been one of those guys so mentioned him enough spoke about him enough he's my guy absolutely love him and that is the slate for the day it's going to be a fun week, Ron. Got, what, another three hours of coverage every day, which kind of isn't ideal. But doesn't help to bitch about it because it doesn't. No one from anyone that we tag in those tweets don't even reply back. They don't care. They just want to put the three hours of golf on no matter if we miss the full front nine of the winners. But I digress. It's going to be a fun week of viewing when we do get to do it. And I believe it's going to be a good week for us on the DFS side too. So anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? Yeah, we got two events left after this, so we're kind of wrapping it up. Um, and then we kind of head into, for me, research mode. A lot of stuff to dig into that, you know, you just don't have time during the week. So, uh, but yeah, a couple events left here. And I uh, look forward to seeing. It's a great course, El Camilion. I love it. And so uh, this might be, I heard, the last time they play here. Um, I heard, you know, it's a Greg Norman course, which is kind of interesting. We're, you know, playing on his courses here with the tour. And uh, mm -hmm. but I've heard Liv is uh, kind of, 
ready to sign the contract. So this might be the last year we, we ever see this course. So. Interesting. That's that's something that I never even thought of. So, yeah, screw Greg Norman. But anyway, I do have one more thing to say. If you can't get your hands on a Victor Hovland outright, I think PointsBet has him to hit a holding one at 60-61. I'm going to have a holding one prop on Victor Hovland this week. He's the best proximity from 125 to 150 yards. We've seen him dunk a bunch of aces on the tour. 60-61, it's the same as everybody else in the field. I mean, he's... He's obviously better than everyone else when it comes to that range. So definitely going to go to Victor Hovland for an ace prop. And that's how we're going to end the show. So thanks for tuning in, folks. Love you, love you for doing that. And we'll catch you guys next week.